everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chandelier Chats with Rochelle. I'm your host, Rochelle LaCour. Today, we have the most incredible guest. I am here to introduce to you Yalda. She is the founder of Style Esteem. She is a style and wellness consultant. And today, we are going to be talking about mental health and wellness. So please join me in welcoming Yalda. What's up, girl? How are you doing? <laughs> Hi, I'm so excited to be here today. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm so good. It is such a pleasure to have you here. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. And I would love if you started by sharing a little bit about your story, a little bit about who you are. Sure, I would love to. I am a style and wellness consultant is what I refer to myself as. And I'm the founder of the company Style Esteem, where I merge style and mental health together. Um, and so I kind of initiated this uh, line of work to basically blend the world of styling and fashion and, you know, how one presents oneself, but merging it with a strong um, component of mental health. And the rationale for that being, I spent many years in the corporate world. I worked in a policy role for many, many years. And after the birth of my son in 2013, I experienced extremely severe postpartum anxiety, depression, psychosis, um, to the point that I actually almost uh, got close to taking my son's life and had to be hospitalized because of the psychosis. So um, it was a very long journey. It took me about two and a half years to be okay again. And as a result, I just kind of shifted my life. And it, it was, to me, it's like a second chance at life. So I changed my career, went into a career path that I've always loved, which was I've always loved fashion. But then I started to seeing um, a gap, a gap where a lot of times individuals just see fashion and beauty as um, very, you know, vain constructs and not realizing that they actually have a lot of effect on our moods and everyday mental well-being. And because using fashion was a strategy for me to get out of anxiety and depression myself, I really realized that there's a gap out there and that this is an area that I could help individuals with. So I now hold style and wellness seminars where I speak with individuals or with uh, organizations, companies as um, part of wellness to teach about how one's um, appearance. And so what I teach is how to dress for various body shapes, how to dress in a way that makes individuals feel confident, but not for the purpose of vanity, for the purpose that people feel confident in themselves. And the first thing they look in the mirror in the morning is someone that feels good about what's on their body, feels good about the way they look. And that kind of transcends to the rest of their day, because if you carry that positivity first thing in the morning, then it helps with your productivity and work performance and all sorts of things. And um, I have a background in psychology in school as well, as well as a commerce background. So what I do is I bring psych research into this to also explain why this all has um, provable logic as to uh, how it helps one's mood and mental health and well-being. And so I do things like that. I'm actually going to be um, starting a new service called, called um, mental health coaching, which is to also provide some support with mental health to individuals who are particularly individuals in the postpartum area, just to kind of merge those worlds together. And so that's a little bit of what I do. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm so excited to hear that you have merged this and you have these beautiful new services coming out. I'm curious, can you speak a little bit more to how this plays out in our daily lives? Like what are some signs that maybe someone might be experiencing, you know, an effect on their mental health and what is something that they can do to improve their mental health? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously with COVID, the current restrictions with what's going on in the world, I think everybody's impacted from a mental health perspective. Now, I won't say everyone 
goes as severe as getting a diagnosis of um, any particular mental health, you know, ailment necessarily, but there, you know, there's, there's, uh, it's a gray area. It's not a definitive yes or no necessarily. It kind of has varying degrees. So I think we're all in a way impacted by it. And so one of the things that I, I personally made a conscious choice to do during this entire pandemic has been, I still get dressed up every day. Um, I mean, there are off days where I'm just busy or lazy or whatever, and that's totally okay. Everybody has days where you can't, do it every single day but for the most part I get dressed up and the reason is because I even see it in myself and I saw this when when I was experiencing the postpartum um, anxiety and depression when I looked in the mirror and I looked like I was falling apart or looked like I didn't care that kind of exuded into the rest of my day that kind of followed through my motivation was lower I kind of didn't feel like working as hard that day didn't want to do as much on my to-do list that day and the days that I get dressed up and I look in the mirror and I especially wearing something vibrant for example I always encourage people play with colors I understand not everybody is comfortable with colors so maybe if it's a lipstick if it's like a bright earring just something to give you that little pop of excitement colors are known to elicit different psychological um, effects on our moods and so kind of incorporating those into your day-to-day -day life and just getting out of the pjs and sweats and um, even if it's for a few hours a day, even if you don't want to spend the whole day dressed up just dress up a little bit I swear it has a huge impact on our moods and right now with the world the way it is I think it's one small area that we can control when everything else is out of control. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. So a little background story on how Yalda and I actually know each other. Yalda and I met at a fellow uh, hair salon, a girlfriend of ours was, was doing a hair shoot and we were both in, included in that. And there was just something about Yalda that I was just so drawn to. I didn't know if it was the fact that she brought the most fabulous clothes to wear for the <laughs> shoot or what, but I was like, I just need to know this person. And, you know, she also had her little guy there and he was just so stinking cute. He was in this like Michael Jackson phase and he was like moonwalking around the salon. It was so cute. <laughs> oh my gosh, I loved it. But there, it was really interesting because like I had always kind of thought about, yeah, you know, I should, I should dress for success. And I was in a sales role at the time with the company I was working for. So it was really important for me to present myself in, you know, a business appropriate manner. And while also still like trying to, you know, figure out what my style was. And I mean, I've always kind of been on the edge of either athletic, like Lululemons and a sports bra or ultra sexy. So like trying to find that middle ground was really hard for me. And there was something about that day I think you had like, it was like a green dress or some sort of green outfit, very similar to the color of the sweater yeah. that you're wearing. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh. I'm like, I need to think outside of the box when I do this. And it actually sort of shifted how I, how I looked at my clothes and when I chose my colors and stuff like that. And I, I feel like that is sort of a walking testament of how it can change your mood. So even if I was grumpy and miserable and didn't want to go to work that day because I had a rough night the night before or whatever, yeah. if I put on the right clothes and I felt beautiful and I did my hair, mm -hmm. total game changer. It didn't matter like how crappy my mood was that morning. By like by 10 o'clock, I was like, I'm on fire. I got this. I'm, I'm doing my work and I'm showing up and I'm doing all of the things. And that is huge. And it's still, it still shows up for me today. So thank you. Absolutely. For that. And first of all, thank you. You know, I'm so flattered by all the positive, uh, positive comments you just made. And I felt the same about you, you know, that day when we met, I just, there's an energy and a vibe about you and it's just so comforting and, you know, loving and so sweet. And of course you're fabulous and gorgeous in yourself. <laughs> so it, it was just, you know, a friendship that was meant, uh, meant to be. And I'm so excited that we got a chance to be part of each other's journeys 
from then until now, right? And um, I completely, you know, agree with you. I just think, and that that's one of the things that I often teach people is, um, and it's, it's funny because sometimes when you go around and you tell people you're a style and wellness consultant, the moment you say the word style, they almost just kind of dismiss you. And I always have to reel people back in and explain why the logic of, you know, going to an organization, why the logic of me teaching your employees how to dress for their body actually affects your bottom line, actually affects your productivity. And when I explain it to people and sit down and then they, I always get the same reaction oh my gosh, I've never thought of it this way before. That makes so much sense. And, and you know, sometimes you have to get that buy-in from people to explain it in that way, but it really does. Because for example, if you think of something as simple as you're wearing the wrong cut of shirt for your bo- upper half body shape. Well, your focus in a meeting could be, oh my God, are the buttons popping? Oh my God, is like, is, is it looking funny up here? Is everybody staring at my chest? Everyone's looking at me. Meanwhile, people probably even aren't half the time, but that's in your mind and you're using your cognitive processing capacities for something that's less productive than what you could be doing at work. So in, in that sense, when you explain it to people, what a huge impact it can have, it, it really um, starts to make more sense as to why it's important to do this. Yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit more and explain that a little bit more in depth? Because I feel like that is a really valuable message that's going to strike home, not just for me, but for everyone who listens to this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so like I said, the, the reason I got into this work is because when, when I was sick and I looked at myself in the mirror, I looked like I was on the verge of death. And it was actually my mom who forced me to get dressed, get ready. And, and I'll, you know, I can speak to this later, but in my upcoming book, I also talk about this topic exactly because my mom told me, no, like put some lipstick on, do your hair differently, do something today to help your own mood. And although I felt like I was on the verge of death, after I kind of did that, I looked in the mirror and I thought I looked, you know, 5% alive. Wow, this is actually something that I might help. And And it is like I mentioned, when everything else is chaotic, whether it's due to our environment right now, due to the political, economic, all of that that's going on, or whether it's due to mental health or even other physical health ailments, when your mind is out of control and things are focused everywhere else, this this is one thing you can control. What you put on yourself is something you can easily control. And when you gain success in that area, it's a positive reinforcement that, hey, if I could control this and it affects my mood and positivity, why can't I control it elsewhere, right? And the same thing applies to work. When you're using your mindset at work in a positive way, you're you're more productive, you can get more things done, you feel more confident in what you're doing. Obviously, that affects the bottom line, right? Your motivation as an employee is different than when you're sitting there and you know, you're not feeling good about yourself. You put on an outfit that in the morning, did it make you feel so great? Because chances are it's, you know, and and not chances are, it's most definitely not you. There's nothing wrong with you, your body, your size, your weight. None of that is really the issue. The issue is people have this perception that there's only an ideal body shape and an ideal wear to dress. And there's no such thing. In fact, everybody looks phenomenal people often don't understand how to dress their shape. So what they do is they dress a different shape that maybe they saw on a mannequin or on a friend or someone who has a different body shape, or even if they've had weight, you know, changes up or down in their own bodies that can shift their, uh, their body shape. So then what happens is they're still dressing for a previous shape and then things are ill-fitting on them or not as good as they are. 
And that's impacting them because everybody tends to internalize that negativity as opposed to realizing it is an external factor you can easily control. If that blazer and that cut's not working for you, it doesn't mean you you're ugly, you have a horrible body, you have a horrible shape. It means that cut of blazer doesn't work for this shape of body. This other cut will work more beautifully. And so when you explain that to people, when I explain that to individuals as clients one-on-one -on -one or to you know group corporate sessions, whatever it might be, um, once people kind of understand the logic behind it, they realize, oh, this really makes sense. And it has such a positive impact because the next time they're getting dressed to go to work, they kind of feel more positive. Even if it's a Zoom call, they feel more positive and you can see it. You can see that confidence exude in people as much as they think it doesn't. Right away, you'll notice a change. And that's actually one of the things I love the most about this line of work is that I get to see a shift in people's confidence and mood and happiness almost immediately as I explain some topics, educate them on it, and then watch them transform. And I get so many messages from clients who will write back and say, you have no idea what an impact this has had because the skills I teach are transferable skills. You can use them for many years to come, right? So it has huge impacts on our lives. I think that that is so important. And I think the key word that you, you have reiterated there is confidence. Mm -hmm. Confidence is key. And you will know that someone is feeling confident, not just by what they're wearing and how they're dressed, like if they're dressing for their shape and all of those aspects, but mm -hmm. you'll actually notice like they stand straighter, they're smiling, their mm -hmm. eyes are brighter, you know, they're willing to put their hair away from their face. So you can exactly. actually see their face. So can you speak a little bit, bit more about the importance of confidence and how to really cultivate that feeling? I can. And you know what? I'm actually going to put you on the spot. If you move back, you're, you're wearing a, a quote that I actually came up with. It's a quote directly from my book as well. And it says, if you wear confidence, you can wear anything. <laughs> And I was, I was super excited because, you know, throughout the course of writing the book, I also one day decided I would love a way as I've been my entire line of work, which is to merge fashion and mental health together. And what better way than to merge mental health and my book together with um, fashion than create this t-shirt line with these quotes. And so, you know, recently I went through this whole trademarking and all this stuff that I had to go through with it just to kind of make sure everything's, you know, uh, legally protected and stuff as well. But after I did that, um, I, I'm hoping to actually be expanding the line to include more items in this line, but it's, it, the quote very clearly says, if you wear confidence, you can wear anything. And that's really all it's about. At the end of the day, if you feel confident in what you're wearing, you can wear anything. And although we do say there are certain things that are better for certain body shapes than other certain cuts work better, if there's something you love, and you're confident in rocking that piece, it does not matter because that confidence just makes you look fabulous and fantastic, even more than any specific cut or shape ever could, right? And to exactly to your point, sometimes I've even gone as far as I'll go shopping with my mom and sisters, you know, and I'll, I'll buy something and they look at me like, that is the ugliest thing in the world for the love of God, do not grab that, it is so hideous. And I always tell them, mm, no, I have a vision, I'll wear it, you watch. And I'll wear it. And I remember this one skirt in particular, it was wrinkled and it looked like, kind of like a garbage bag. Like it was all yeah. sorts of, yeah. you know, nothing common that most people would wear. And I remember I wore it once and my mom and my sister both said, oh, I love that outfit. It looks so good on you. And I had to be like, yeah, you remember? It was the skirt you guys told me not to buy. <laughs> As I look that I'm like, I'm confident in it, right? I feel confident in it that you guys are seeing it as a beautiful ensemble where you originally told me don't even buy it. 
Oh, wow. Well, it has a huge impact, honestly. And, and that confidence has a huge impact on our moods, right? And on, on so many areas of our lives, on relationships, on career, on so many different things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you speak a little bit more about your journey through postpartum and then the inspiration behind the book that you're currently writing? Absolutely, absolutely. So like I alluded to earlier, I went through a very severe um, case of postpartum anxiety, depression, and psychosis, um, and actually a case at probably as severe as mine is, is quite rare. Um, also in the length and duration of mine for about two and a half years is quite, quite rare. And there are a lot of um, different factors, obviously, that contributed to why I stayed as sick or got as uh, sick, which is all actually everything that I discuss in the book. And the intention of that is um, to of writing the book is because I wanted others to not feel alone. And I know this is a very, although, you know, right now, especially post COVID mental health has been on the forefront, which I'm very happy to see people are getting a lot better at speaking about mental health. That stigma is not fully gone. That awareness is not fully there. And as much as, you know, there's a lot of initiatives out there to say, let's talk about it. There's an extent to which people are confident to talk about it. Whereas, you know, myself, I'm a very vocal, <laughs> blunt, upfront individual, and I, I really, you know, I, I'm not shy about things like that. So I, I very openly share my story. I share that I almost took my son's life, um, and that is very difficult as a mother to say and to admit. But it's not something I chose to have happen. I didn't choose to become sick, and so that's part of the stuff that I teach in the book because I really want other moms to regain their voice. And, and it's not just moms, it's entire families that are affected. You know, when I was sick, it, I was the one that was sick, but my child was affected. My husband was affected. My mom and my sisters were affected. All my close friends were affected. Everybody felt the effect in one way or another. And so it was really important for me to have a book that shares my story very transparent and openly in raw detail as to what happened really and what went on in my mind but also to help people understand what actually goes on in the mind and body of someone going through anxiety or depression or psychosis so that if those who have not experienced it can get a better understanding of what it entails. Um, I also discuss a lot of um, opinions and uh, misconceptions and you know comments that criticism, judgments, things that were made towards me behind my back, things like that, that's not necessarily all ill-intended. Sometimes they were well-intended, but it just, it's, perceived very negatively by someone who is sick. So trying to help people understand that if, if you articulate something in a certain way, you might have good intention, it's really poorly received. And this is the reason why it makes that person feel that way. So to try to help individuals get a get a better understanding of how to speak with people um, about these topics in a way that's helpful as opposed to hindering recovery. Um, I also have an entire chapter dedicated on strategies and tips for individuals going through any mental health ailments themselves. And part of that chapter is also separated into a section for support people because often there's tons of books out there on how to help yourself through mental health. There's not as much out there strategies on how to be a good support person and how to help as a support person and who often very much feel lonely themselves as well because they feel helpless. Sometimes they just don't know what to do. They want to, but they don't. So as to give them a guide on here's some tips of what you can do based on what I observe my supporters doing or not doing. And lastly, I just kind of talk about my journey of where I am now and why everything's kind of the way it is and, and what I learned from it. And so um, it's, it's a really um, healing process. I guess everything comes full circle for me because when I got sick, I was 
in the depths of um, of hell, as I will say it. Um, and I remember once I was just kind of sitting there praying, and I was in the hospital in the psychiatric ward. And I thought, I God, I know you made me sick for a reason, and I'll be damned if I don't find out why. Just like make me get better so I can find out why out of all the people I knew you chose me to get this sick and in in my book I explained I now know why and this is part of the reason why because I can help raise awareness I can help be a voice for those whose voices are lost and I can help save at least one other person if hopefully more from feeling that agony Mm. And I'm curious as well, I believe postpartum like depression is like, it is fairly common. And I feel that there's a lot of stigma around that. Could you share a little bit more about postpartum and postpartum depression? Absolutely. So I'll share just some statistics. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't have the citations here right offhand to say them, but in my book, the, these are the exact statistics that I share and there's the site citing will be in there, but from on average, based on some stats, can uh, stats, Canada data, it's about 23% of uh, moms who give birth, who experience some sort of postpartum depression or anxiety. So that's kind of combining depression and anxiety together. The numbers will vary if you if you break them down. And about 0.001 to 0.002%, so very rare, will experience psychosis. Ah, lottery of all. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, 0. 0.00001. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, yeah, but they, they are still very prevalent. And that's that's part of the reason, like I said, I wrote the book because I am not the first, nor will I ever be the last who has experienced all of this. And and as much as we're doing work in the area of mental health and and you know being more supportive of individuals and less judgmental, there are still judgments. And so I felt that maybe if I can explain it from my perspective of someone who endured so much of it, people will have a better time understanding why that judgment needs to stop understanding that none of us who have ever experienced mental illness, whether it's like me and it happened postpartum, lasted two and a half years and went away, or whether it's someone who's dealt with anxiety or depression or any psychosis-like symptoms throughout their entire lives. Some people endure it. It's a lifelong thing for them. Why people need to be cognizant of how they speak and treat other individuals, because it is never a choice for someone. And and people have to understand to shift that perspective because for example, when someone gets cancer, no one berates them or judges them or stigmatizes them on why did you get this? And you know, they're very supportive. Well, what's the difference with mental health? And in fact, you know, I I, I speak to this in the in the book, and I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly verbatim how I worded it, but I kind of allude to the fact that your mind is the one organ that controls your entire sense of self, your entire sense of being, your entire functioning of everything in your body. When that mind is the organ that is out of control, that is the organ that is ill and not functioning, do you think it doesn't affect everything else? It's not like an arm where it malfunctions, you put a cast on it, you take a you know pain medication and it's gone, right? It is a part that controls every part of you. It is a part that controls your inner self, your outer self, all of it. So when that's out of commission, it affects all of you. And so people need to be more understanding of how they treat others, you know, who are facing mental illness, because it's not a choice to have that organ kind mm-hmm. of, you know, be falling apart on you. It's, it's something that happens. And instead of criticizing, we need to help individuals feel supported so that they can have that strength and courage. And I'm, I'm very lucky and blessed. I will say this very lucky and blessed. I had some very supportive individuals in my life who helped me as much as I had some very 
negative people um, who really helped progress my illness and hinder my process, I had more positive individuals who helped me be able to have the strength and courage to make it through. Some people don't have that. And so mm-hmm. you know, we need to serve as supporters um, in areas where people might not have that support from their close circle to begin with. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really interesting because especially in the times that we are in right now, it's more prevalent than ever. And I feel like these, this current world situation has really amplified for people those weak points. Like people's true colors are really starting to show. And I want to touch on this a little bit. And definitely, I would really love your perspective about this as well. When you engage with someone and you don't know them from a, you know, a box of cookies on the shelf, yeah. there, there are illnesses that are not visible to the mm-hmm. naked eye. And if we are not actively considering that or even keeping it on the back burner that, hey, you know what, maybe the reason why this person is lashing out at me is because they suffer from mental illness or maybe their grandma just died this morning at their home. Like you, like you never know what some, someone is going through. And I think if we can even consider planting that seed of compassion and empathy, even just the smallest minute seed. I feel like that would make a massive shift in the way people connect and in the way people perceive and in the way people go about engaging rather than, you know, someone says something to you because they're, you know, they, like I said, their grandma just died this morning and then you just attack them and talk about, you know, how they're hideous or they're overweight or like whatever you just attack them. You can go, huh, you know what? Think to yourself, I wonder, this person must be going through hell in order to talk to me, a perfect stranger like that. Yeah. Why would I want to project that onto someone else? 150%. And I'll give you an example of this. And and let me preface this by, I'm not giving the example for anyone to be like, oh, woe is her. But I'll give you two, two examples, actually. So I've always, based on the way I present myself externally, have been told that I'm very unapproachable. I look very snooty, very, you know, uh, not nice, not friendly, which is the complete opposite of of who I actually am and if anyone's and and I always tell people if if you're going to assume that of me it's because you've never actually spent even five minutes having a conversation with me because if you have you know I love to meet people I love to interact with people I'm very outgoing and chatty you know when I'm when I'm not being shy and I'm most certainly not snooty or arrogant at all but my external kind of gives that off. And so I cannot tell you the number of times I have been in scenarios where people have been dismissive of me. They've been dismissive of my competence, my intelligence, of my uh, credentials, accomplishments, all of that stuff. And then the second I open my mouth and I even talk about what I went through with postpartum, the shift in demeanor. I have physically watched as people have been dismissive of me as a mother, as a woman, as whatever. And then when I tell them my story, they look at me like, oh my God, wow. And you went through this horrible hardship and like, you still dress up and you're still happy and smiling. And, and I think to myself, why do you have to judge me? Because I like to do my hair, look fancy or whatever it is, because that's just who I am. Why do you have to assume I have no hardships? I've been through so much hardship in my life and continue to go through much, so much hardship that people never know because I, and it's not that I put on a smile to have a fake smile. I put on a smile because I've gone through so much difficulty in my life as I've grown up that I've built resiliency to know that 
most of that stuff is not something that I'm going to ruin my life, my health, my well-being, my happiness over. Because every time something goes sideways and doesn't go my way, A, there's always been a higher purpose for it, which I've learned and it has benefited me at some point in life. It's taught me a skill, something that I can benefit from later on in life. And it's taught me that if I'm going to just drop the ball and say, that's it, my life is so crummy, I give up. I, I, I should have given up a long time ago as a child. I should have given up when all those hardships were there. And I refuse to do that. And that's actually part of the reason why after I recovered from postpartum mental illness, I've helped multiple people with postpartum journeys. I just don't sit there and obviously advertise it to the whole world because I would never disclose that information to other people as to whom I've helped and all of that. But I do help lots of people you know, on this side as I can. And I remember one of the first time I was going to see somebody this individual was in the depths of like really, really being severely sick. And I told myself, Yelda, don't dress up, don't dress up and don't look like, you know, your usual fancy self before you go there. And I almost stopped myself from doing my hair and makeup, like as I normally would and going there. And then I told myself, no, first of all, that's not who I am. This is who I am. I like to dress up. I like to, you know, put makeup and do my hair. And secondly, I want to show that person that when I was in the depth of the low, the way I know they're feeling, not doing their hair, not doing their makeup, not brushing their teeth, not caring, you know, I got myself out of it and I back to who I am. Mm -hmm. They can do it too. It is a reinforcer. And so when I walked into this person's house, that's the first thing I said is don't look at me as someone who's dressed up and feel down about yourself right now as to why you can't get dressed up, do your hair and your makeup. Look at me as motivation that I was exactly in your shoes where you are not brushing my teeth, not doing my hair, not doing my makeup, not caring at all. And look at me today. I got out of that, which is why you can get out of that. And, and this person kind of like immediately shifted her perspective. And she was like, I love that you did that. Oh my God. And I thought, good. I'm so happy. I went with my own <laughs> and I didn't dress down because I wanted to motivate you to know that there's, there's nothing that makes me any better than anybody else. There's nothing that makes me any more capable than anybody else when it comes to, you know, how I want to present myself. Everybody can do it. It's a conscious choice we make. And I choose to do it because I see how it affects my mood, my health, my well-being. And I try to explain it to other people. And I always tell people, even whether it's clients or whomever it is, I don't expect you to turn into me. I don't expect you to wear what I like to wear. You might necessarily not like the style that I have. I expect to help you understand how to be the best version of yourself and be you know, appearing in a way that helps you feel confident and teach you transferable skills that will help you in your individual life. And and it's a beautiful process when people, you know, are trusting of me to do that because we kind of grow with one another, right? And, it, and it's just beautiful. I love it. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's been so much societal conditioning as well around dressing well and presenting yourself in a way that makes you feel ultimately beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I can't speak for men, but on the woman's side of thing, like there's a high percentage of women who would, like you said, see a woman like yourself dressed fabulous, you know, your hair is done, you're well put together. And they would immediately start either judging you or judging themselves. And I just want to reiterate for all of those people who are judging someone else for what they're doing or how they're looking or whatever, that is a direct reflection of yourself. You are holding up a damn mirror, like take a look in the mirror and say, whoa, like, why do I feel the need to critique how this woman is dressed when she's dressed? fabulous. Why do yeah. I feel the need to criticize myself 
why am I comparing myself? And I'm, I'm curious, can you speak a little bit about the comparison mm-hmm. and the judgment that happens around this as well? Absolutely. So as you were speaking, you know, it, it made me think of, for example, um, I remember when my son first started school and I would do the morning drop-offs, afternoon pickups. And again, I'm one of the only moms who was very dressed up and would go. And uh, I can always tell, obviously, with, pe- with people's gazes, and ju- you know, judgment is happening, but that's okay. I don't, I don't, you know, try to be confrontational or anything until one day one person actually spoke up and I was just thinking to myself, oh, I was waiting to see when this would happen. Um, and she said to me, you're, you're always so dressed up. Like, how do you find the time to do this? And I said, well, first of all, I, it makes me happy. I like it. It's just who I am and who I've always been. Secondly, um, I just get up a few minutes earlier. And also the same time it took me to put on this sweater and this skirt with these shoes is the same amount of time it takes you to put on your top, your sweatpants and those running shoes. It's no different. It is physically the same amount of time to put each garment on. I choose to pick garments that, you know, are a little more dressed up and make me feel happier. And you chose to put on garments that are more toned down and maybe more, you know, easier. But in in the sense of actual dressing, it takes no longer for me to dress than it does for you. So what is perceived as a, a, you know, monumentally huge task to you is actually no different than the time it takes you to get dressed up and there's nothing stopping you from getting dressed up the same way either if you want to it's just a choice you have to make um and and people kind of when you put it that way they realize oh you're right because there's really nothing stopping someone from wearing a cute dress or skirt or whatever than putting on you know mm-hmm. something more casual it's just a choice and that's why i always keep explaining to people I know we're in a pandemic. I know it's easier to just wear, you know, the PJs and track pants, but it's no different than putting on even, even a t-shirt and jeans is, you know, in my perspective, it's better than just wearing PJs around the house all day because you got out of the PJs. You're putting something on that tells you, let's start the day. And you know what? I would say you want to be in t-shirt and jeans. Great. Put on a cute pair of earrings, put on a cute necklace. God, I don't know, do some funky, cool hair, like do something, put on a bright lipstick, something that just elevates the look a little bit more to make you feel just that tiny little bit better. Right. And, and stop comparing. And it's so funny. I literally just did a post, uh, just minutes before we logged in on, on comparisons. And I said, you know, comparing is not, um, motivating it's debilitating and it is. And as women, as mothers, as like, it happens so often. And whether it's self-comparisons that we compare ourselves to others, um, or whether it's others comparing us to other individuals, it happens so often and it, it really needs to stop. I mean, it's good to compare in the sense that you look at someone and you find them inspirational. You think, oh, I love what they're doing. That's so cool. Yeah, I would totally love to learn that skill or you know, whatever it might be, educate myself on this or whatever it is. That's wonderful because that comparison is positive. That comparison is helping you build yourself more. It's not, you know, it's it's you realizing the strengths that you have, the likes, you know, things that you like and saying, hey, I could improve on them in X, Y, and Z way if I learned this or did that. And great, I'm all for, you know, lifelong learning and continuous development. It's, it's my jam. But if you're going to look at someone and say, oh, I love her style, but, oh, I don't have this body to wear, or, oh, I love this. And, you know, my hair doesn't look this way, or, or my, you know, face doesn't look like this. Well, no, that's very debilitating. And instead of 
focusing on why that person has that appearance or that capability. Why don't you focus on the skills you have that will allow you to also learn how to do those things, learn how to do those tasks, you know, look at the, the beauty that you have in your body. Um, don't sit there and compare as to why someone looks a certain way or they have a body shape or whatever it is that you don't have. Look at the positive parts of your own body and your own way that you do love about yourself. Why are we conditioned to always look at the things we don't like? Why don't you, you know, stand there? And, and it's actually something I'm going to be um, doing a post soon coming on this. I want to challenge individuals to take a look in the mirror in the morning. And instead of looking at three things you don't like about yourself, look at the first three things are the things you do like about yourself and your appearance. And when you start shifting your perspective and start with that positive first, you don't even want to get to the negative three once mm -hmm. you start in mm -hmm. that order, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I think comparisons, whether it's self or to others, is just is just toxic. Absolutely. And it doesn't help your confidence. It doesn't help your your motivation it literally destroys you and that's why i love that you use the word debilitating because it is debilitating and our society has definitely done a bang up job about making sure that we feel really insecure and we feel really unattractive because we don't look like so and so on this magazine cover or we don't have you know angelina jolie's lips or or someone's breasts or someone's butt or whoever you know, and instead of picking ourselves apart and wishing that we had somebody else's body or somebody else's features, yeah, you can go out and buy it. But I can tell you from my own personal experience, it doesn't change a damn thing. Yeah, it does. It doesn't change. Yeah, it doesn't change anything because Absolutely. even even after you've had certain surgeries like a breast augmentation or lip injections or Botox or anything, you still look in the mirror and you still see all of those things. Mm -hmm. You still see, you know, if you had small breasts prior, you still see small breasts. If you had, you know, saggy breasts, then you still see saggy breasts. And it's like learning to love the skin you're in. And I know that is so cliche and everybody's probably like, oh, this is so stupid. I've heard this before. I don't care if you've heard it before. You need to hear it again because you're still doing it. Yeah. You need to knock it off, like knock it off, start loving on yourself. You would never talk to a friend like that and be like, wow, you have the tiniest breasts I have ever seen. You would yeah. never go to a friend and say that. Why are you standing there saying that to yourself in the mirror? Look at your breasts and be like, I don't care if the reasons on a cutting board, I love them because they're mine. Exactly. Like, you know, love that part. God gave you that gift. Exactly. It might not be a voluptuous, like, you know, some magazine or whatever, but they're yours. They're real. That's you. 100%. I, I fully, fully agree with you on that. And, and it's funny because so often when, when you said the comment of why can that person with this or they, you know, they can look like that. I can't tell you the number of times I've had conversations with people where they're like, oh yeah, but you can wear this because, because you're, you're skinny or you can wear this because you look this way or, and, and I have to like, I, I always have to stop and be like, first of all, no, that's why clothing and garments are made in multiple sizes because it's meant for multiple bodies to wear it. And, and sometimes when, in all honesty, when I get frustrated, I, I, I tell people, maybe my external appearance to you appears, you know, as a body shape or whatever it is more favorable. There's no, no such favorable. I, I find women of all bodies and shapes and appearance, so beautiful. right? But maybe to you in your mind, that's favorable. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather have the external appearance and take all of the difficulty, hardships, negativity, you know, emotional abuse, all sorts of things that I have dealt with in my life? Would you rather have all of that to get an external appearance? 
and take everything that comes with me in my life? Or would you rather be content with what you have? Because on the outside, you see my exterior. You see someone that maybe is more slender and you think her life is great. You have no idea the things that I've gone through. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think at the end of the day, we are given good and bad in various areas of our lives. And I wouldn't even say like, you know, the experiences I've had are bad. Like I just say it's, it's things that maybe are not favorable to me, but they've just happened. And at the end of the day, we're all given areas of ourselves, which we love in terms of appearance and areas of ourselves, which we don't love. And what seems like perfection to one person is seen is deemed as not perfection to maybe the individual themselves. And whereas it's funny because, you know, what you might view as an area of yourself that you don't like is actually something I might view and be like, Oh, I love that feature about this person. They're so beautiful. They have such gorgeous eyes or whatever it is. Right. So it's all mental. It's all a perspective because the outside physical appearance has beauty. If you want to see that beauty. And when you learn to shift that perspective and you learn to see that beauty and understand that every shape, size, color, all of it has its own inherent beauty you won't need to do the comparison game because you're just as fabulous as that person you're comparing yourself to, right? Oh, yes. Food for the soul right there. (laughs) We're all fabulous, man. Right? Like, stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Honestly. Uh, Yalda, this has been one of the most enlightening and wonderful conversations that I've had yet this week. And I just want to ask you as we close, do you have any final words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners and our viewers today? Uh, No, other than that, honestly, work on changing your perspectives and, and being kinder to yourselves, being more accepting of yourselves and, and see your own beauty, see your own strengths, see your own capabilities, you know, be motivated if you want by, new skills, strength, and capabilities that you might see in others and motivate yourself to expand on the strengths and beauty that you already have. But don't ever, you know, sit there and feel low about yourself that you're incapable because no human being in my perspective, no human being is better than another. I don't think anyone is better than another. I don't think, you know, I I always say this, to there's there's that meme that goes around that I I will treat the um, caretaker of a company the same as the CEO and I I wholly stand by that because you know everybody has an inherent talent skill trait strength knowledge that another person doesn't have so why should we ever treat one another as this person's better or that person's better because there's always a give and take and as much as one person might have something that you perceive is better you have something that they don't have. So instead of focusing on the qualities and strengths you don't have, focus on all the things that you do have, you know, the beauty you possess. And it's a, it's a huge um, mood booster and it really affects, affects your life differently because you find you have more peace and happiness in the basic everyday things of your own life, as opposed to being unhappy with things that are unattainable sometimes. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And how can people connect with you? How can they get in touch with you, Yalda? Yeah. So um, on my website is uh, www.stylistheme.ca or on Instagram at stylistheme. Um, it's spelled with one E in the middle. I know how to spell guys. I swear that's intentional. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I try to have my social media presence there and uh, just, just 
just kind of doing my own thing here and there. And, and I'm, I'm so honored for you to have given me a chance to be on, on your show today and to have the conversations with you. I obviously love speaking with you. You're just such a beautiful, amazing soul in every way possible. And so it was, it was such an honor for me to be on this today. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your wisdom and your story. And I'm so excited for the launch of your book. Oh my gosh, this is real. (laughs) Beautiful. Until next time. For sure. (laughs) Bye. Thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share this podcast. 